everyone, and welcome to Oh My Pod, a podcast exploring people, places, and things that make you wonder and say, oh my God. Hopefully you'll learn something today as I have some exciting guests that basically keep me alive. My chiropractor, Dr. Reeves, and clinical massage therapist, Emma Bush. And you might be wondering why I have a chiropractor at 26 that I've been going to for what, like three years now? Um, that's because I, I think I'm 86 in a younger person's body. I've had shingles. I have a lipoma on my back. I have a cyst on my wrist. Um, basically, my health is deteriorating from when I was younger and made very silly decisions. And that said, Dr. Reeves has basically kept me alive and walking. Um, we met at a pop-up yoga event, I believe. And so I'm going to turn the tables to you because I've never looked back since we met at that event and have you tell me a little bit more about yourself. I guess my name is Dr. Joanna Reeves. I've been a chiropractor for, I realize it's been five years. Feels like it's been like 10 though. Cause I mean, when I go to like when we went to school, like first semester, we start adjusting patients or like each other, right, or whatever. And so, <clears throat> you know, I've been like learning and doing everything about this for twelve years or something like that. Long Not time. that long, but it feels like that's a long like time. It's been a really long time. Um, I know one of your questions was like, "What does it take to become a chiropractor?" So. There's probably about 20 schools in the United States, which is like wow. one a state, not even like, there's not very many schools. And because it's very specialized, you know, there's a lot of dentistry schools and pharmacy and all those kind of things, but there's not a lot of chiropractic schools. The first one um, is based out of Iowa, in, it's Palmer. And so each school has like different philosophies in the way that you practice. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> My school has a sister school in Florida. There's another school in New York, one in California, one in Minnesota. And I'd say we kind of all practice along the same philosophy. And then Palmer has a few different schools. And each, like I said, each school kind of has a different way of they like talk about the philosophy of chiropractic. And so I only applied to the school and National, which is in the suburbs in Lombard, and NYCC, which is in upstate New York. And the reason why I applied to both of them, number one, my chiropractor growing up gave me the advice of go to a school where you want to live one day. And I was like, I never want to live in Minnesota, so I didn't go to the school in Minnesota. (laughs) And then also, he just kind of gave me a basis of what the schools were like. And so my school, National University of Health Sciences, focuses on, and especially the state of Illinois, your chiropractic degree allows you to be a primary care physician. Like you can treat everyone for everything. Um, Like a friend of mine, she says, she's like, you're my primary care physician. I don't go to other doctors. Like if I'm sick or I have all these kinds of issues, I go to you because you're going to treat me like holistically. Mm -hmm. Whereas you know, life chiropractic, which is based out of Atlanta, Georgia, or even some Palmer grads, depending on how they choose to go with it. They say like, we just adjust the spine and that will fix everything rather Mm -hmm. than like, let's look at nutrition. Let's look at, you know, other things that may be going on causing this kind of pain. And I like that idea. So that's why I chose my school. Um, and so I had to get, you have to have a four-year degree. It can be in anything, but you have to have your prereqs to get mm-hmm. into chiropractic school. So I chose a biology with uh, an emphasis in health and medical sciences. So basically my degree, everything that I did, I never had to take extra courses. 
got me straight into chiropractic school. You don't have to take any kind of tests or anything. It might, I mean, it might be different now. I don't know. But um, you just like apply, have your prereqs, you do an interview, and then they either accept you or they don't. Mm -hmm. And then it's three full years of school. The first year is basically just basic sciences. Like you learn everything about the body. It's the same like as going to like medical school. Like any MD, dentist, dermatologist, like any kind of you know, medical degree, basically the first like two years of school is identical. You learn all your basic sciences of every organ system that there is. But, you know, we obviously emphasize a little bit more like physics, you know, physiology and anatomy. And then the second year is when you move into like diagnosing. So it's like we learned about the body. Now, when everything's all messed up, how do you determine what is wrong with them and diagnosing what's wrong with them. And then the last year is where we kind of differentiate between like medical doctors or a dentist or whatever, where we, our treatment is a little differently. Cause obviously we're not going to prescribe drugs and we're not going to do surgery. And that's where we learn what, why the adjustment's important, why exercise is important. Nutrition is like really big in that last year. Um, <clears throat> and so, I mean, we learn about pharmacology as well, but that's mm-hmm. just more about if people present with these kind of drugs that they're on, you need to know contraindications and things of such of like what they're on it for and those right. reasonings. But we can't ever tell someone like, you need to stop taking that. Like that's mm-hmm. against our scope of practice. I see. Um, I and have then, a quick question. When you're in school and you're learning to adjust and diagnose, who are you practicing on? Just each other. Oh, and there's not... Any issues? Like, no one gets hurt? No. No, okay. No. Like, Nothing's happened? No. Okay. Basically, like, a professor will pick a student and say, this is how your hands are going to be positioned for the purpose of why you're adjusting this. You know, like, if there's a restriction on this side of the neck, you know, we're inducing this motion. So you're going to put your hand right here. You're going to line of drive is going to be in this direction Mm. to give this motion into a joint and he'll like set up, adjust the student and then be like, all right, go find a partner, set it all up. I'll come by and like, watch what you're doing and see if you can figure it out. And if you can't, then he'll like, he or she would put their hands on top of yours and kind of help you reposition everything. And so it's like, you know, a 50 minute class that you would just sit and like adjust each other and try to figure it out. And so we did that for like three and a half years. Um, and I mean, it's not as hard as you think it would be. It just like, you just got to figure it out. Like Mm -hmm. it's like the ergonomics of like stance and positioning. Um, my struggle was always like the lower back because I'm short. And so I'd have like a special step, like you've seen the step in the yeah. office, right? I had that in school too. And like the lower tables and like being able to like stand on top of, you know, get on right. top of somebody or whatever. So that's why I always have like a little struggle with that just because I'm shorter. But it's just like a line of drive and things like that right. that are like the important part. <clears throat> I want to take a step back too because I don't know that everyone really knows exactly what chiropractic care entails. What does the word like chiropractic care even mean? I mean, the word chiropractor is basically like, you know, if you like break it apart, it means like a hand doctor in a way. Like you use your hands to treat someone. I see. So 
that's why I use my hands all the time. Okay. Um, but I mean, you know, what's the, like, what is chiropractic care? Basically it's treating the, the neuromuscular system. So the spine. So you're, you know, your brain starts up here and then your spinal cord goes through all of your vertebrae. And so the basis is that if there is a dysfunction in the spine, in the nervous system, causing some sort of disease in the body, then we need to fix the nervous system. And so that can become, you know, is there an injury to the nerve? Is there just some kind of compression due to a misalignment of the spine, like literally shifting and pushing on a part of the nerve? Mm. Or is it like a disc or are the structural changes of posture or is it like, you know, stenosis or degeneration where, you know, the joint is literally like the bone is literally like going away or there's extra bone that causes Mm. irritation directly on the spine. And then because, you know, if you think about your heart, your lungs, your liver, your digestive system, your kidneys, the way that they function is from the nerves that go to them Mm. because that comes from your brain. So your brain fires through the spinal cord and then there's nerves that come out and go to your liver. And so if that nerve is firing properly, then your liver will function properly. But if there's like something wrong with those nerves, then that can cause dysfunction within your liver. There can be like the opposite thing as well, you know, because you've got hormones. So if there's a dysfunction in the hormone system causing things, you know, like thyroid, hyperthyroidism or hypothyroid, too much or too little, it can do like the reverse. And so I got this patient one time, like he came in with a lot of low back pain and I did an exam on him and I ruled that I was like, I think you have a kidney infection. And so there was an inflammation in his kidneys pushing out, you know, causing dysfunction with the nerves that were going to his back, causing him to have back pain. So it was like the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And so I referred him out, you know, to a kidney specialist, you know, nephrologist. And so, um, you know, that's the basis of it is like the nervous system. And so treating that, making sure that your body is in alignment, you know, structurally, but then also, you know, nutritionally wise or hormone wise, to based on homeostasis, you know, in alignment, in normal, so then your body can function properly. So what, that example is really great of a a kidney infection, what's like something that's really damaging that you've personally seen that, that you were able to fix with chiropractic care? I really enjoy treating people with like a disc problem probably because I have physical experience with it. Like when I was in chiropractic school, I mean, it probably was like set from sports and I was a cheerleader. So, you know, you throw people up and then they fall on you and and there's a lot of like compression, but just sitting all day long, you're there's compression forces, which the disc sits between your vertebrae. And so if your vertebrae are being compressed all day, that disc is going to push out and it can either be like from a trauma where it's like one big blow and then it'll push one part of the vertebrae out, hit that nerve, cause you sciatic pain down your leg or arm where, you know, it can be in your neck too. Or you can have like a disc bulge, which is just like the whole part of the disc just kind of pushes out 
creates some irritation within that area, causing you to have pain as well. And so um, <clears throat> that was what I had when I was in school, and I just, like, had a lot of pain. And I learned a lot about, like, that compressive forces of a decompression, and that was, like, the only thing that, like, took me out of pain was, like, flexion, distraction, decompression, um, elongating the body, and, you know, strengthening the core. And so... People who come in and like have a lot of like, I, you know, like this one guy, he came in, he couldn't literally, his dad and his brother like carried him in the office. Oh he gosh. couldn't walk, he couldn't sit, he couldn't do anything, and like three days walked out of the office. Like, I was like, stand up, walk out. And he was like, I, I, can't, I don't know if I can do it. And I was like, just get off the table. And like, he walked out, his dad was like, oh my God. And they're all hugging each other and oh everything. Gosh. And so, I mean, that's like, you know, a crazy case where right. he like healed that fast but like some people take a long time to heal from like a disc injury mm-hmm. but it's very you know like noticeable when it happens you know because it's yeah. like you're either in severe pain or you're not in pain um and so I don't know for some reason I really enjoy treating disc patients for some reason that's just I think because of a personal experience so yeah. like, I physically know how they feel mm-hmm. so I know what to do to make them feel better right and sometimes it's not always just a straight adjustment like can be a flexion distraction sometimes it is like massage therapy sometimes it's just exercise you know Mackenzie exercises which are extension and so you know that's the challenging part is like everybody's different you got to figure out what works for that person. And it's a little trial and error. Yeah, that brings me to my next question. I think there's a big misconception that chiropractors for senior citizens that are having joint problems or something, what age should you be going to a chiropractor or when should you seek chiropractor help? I mean, there is you if you were to ask any chiropractor be like, "Oh, you should go to a chiropractor." day you're born you know like keep things moving keep things in alignment you know and I think there's a point to there's some truth to that just because a lot of people will come in when they've reached this point where they're just like I've done everything all of a sudden I'm in this like crazy pain or you know and I and you have to do more of like an aggressive treatment plan where mm-hmm. I need to see you like two three times for the next few weeks we're gonna hang out for a couple months going to take you a longer time to feel better and like those chronic issues come up and also people don't want to come in that often they're like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh why do I have to do this they don't want to do it it's too expensive whatever and so it's a preventative approach that if you do come in earlier there's a higher chance of you not having these like crazy acute injuries or having the chronic pain that takes so much longer to heal that you can keep things mobile, lined properly. Like, you know, I like to give advice and educate people on like what's good for you. And so if you can get that earlier in your life, you're less susceptible to having, you know, bigger treatment plans and longer time to come in and things like that. But, you know, I can't ever force anybody to do anything. So, you know, I would say 80% of the population comes in when they're like in pain. So and you really need to come before to prevent any pain yeah after. it's you know it's wellness care right not pain care you yeah. know like but that's just the stigma of like i don't have any pain i don't need to go see a chiropractor yeah i'm like okay i'll see you when i 
see you. Yeah. You know, or some people need really a lot of help. Yeah. And I mean, so my personal experience, my mom had suffers from like headaches and low back pain and chronic migraines and all this stuff. And so she always went to a chiropractor and I just would go with her. I didn't have any pain, but I was like fifth grade. She's just like, I'm going, you're coming with like, okay. And I get adjusted. And then when I started in sports in high school, you know, like I actually like would have pain, you know, from like a bad fall in cheerleading or something. And then I'd go to the chiropractor. I'd only have to see him like two or three times. And then I was better. Whereas, you know, when you're older and you do stuff like that, then it's like two or three weeks. And so, you know, my personal thing is like, if I do get hurt these days, like do something dumb, like a couple years ago, I had this injury in my back and I did a dumb exercise at the gym. I felt better in a week. Whereas like, but I've been getting adjusted since I was five years old. Mm -hmm. And so I respond a lot faster to treatment because I'm already usually in alignment and I take care of it faster. Whereas if you put it off and put it off and put it off, it just takes a lot longer to get better. Yeah. And and I guess what are some reasons people come to you? I know I came to you because I work at a desk all day. I'm hunched over. I keep signing up for these crazy workout classes that I think I can do. And then I end up in pain. Um, But what are some other reasons people might come to you, um, whether it's kinks or, or what are you seeing most commonly? It's a, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It seems like it goes in waves too, where, you know, being downtown in this like location, I'd say 50% of people are, I don't know what the deal is. Like I start, you know, maybe like a 27 year old, like I started sitting at a desk like four or five years ago and life was great. And then all of a sudden just the past couple of years, like my shoulders feel so tight and it started to be like really constant. It's there all the time. And now I have headaches and I don't know what to do. I've tried this, 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 and this, and it just won't go away. Like that's, that's a lot of it. Yeah. And then there's the... I woke up and my neck's been, I can't move my head, you know, like the, the short acute things like that. Um, and then there's also people who like are really injured or have these like disc pains that they've had for a long time or, you know, back in high school, I used to go to a chiropractor all the time. Then I've moved around and life's happened. And now like I'm back in a place where I'm like ready to have this part of my life again. Mm-hmm. Like those are, I would say probably my favorite patients because like they get it. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm in, I'm ready to, ready to just get back into this as part of my life and maintain and do preventative care and come in, you know, when I've got the little issues. But once again, they respond fast because yeah. they understand it. Um, so it's a little bit of everything, but majority of it is just like, I sit at a desk all day. Yep. That's why I went. Mm -hmm. And I noticed for me too, like I'm always cracking and popping. I I literally like, I feel like every 30 minutes I'm doing this and it will pop and crack. What does that mean when someone pops or cracks? I mean, typically it means that, you know, one part instability, that there's just not enough strength and stability within that area so things can kind of move easily. But then also probably it means that you need to be like aligned, adjusted. If you feel like you need to crack your back, it's because it needs to be cracked. But when you do it on your own, it's in an area that moves really easily, not the dysfunctional part. And so mm-hmm. kind of almost is like counterintuitive. what is the physicality like what does that actually mean when something when you hear that crack sound because some people might be alarmed like why did my spine just crack what does it mean it's just 
it's like when you open a pop can that like it's literally the same exact concept when there's pressure tension that gets released it's a gas that sits between the joints and when you move it to a certain degree it releases and creates popping sound so it's not like an actual like cracking of your bones it's just like tension and gas that releases and makes a noise and does it go back what happens after that What's well, it's, it's actually like 30, if you wait 30 minutes, that gas pressure will build up again and mm. then you can adjust somebody again in 30 minutes. But like, if you do it before then, then you won't get like that same sensation. Mm. It's actually like the, the science of it. So if some people like pop or crack more than others, like I also get up and my hips pop and then I can crack my neck and all my coworkers are like, why are you like a rice crispy bowl like snap crackle <laughs> pop all the time um what does that mean is that like you said just strengthening other parts of your body that or is it genetic i mean there's or anything like that there's there's some like my my brother actually texted me the other day he's like why is my knee you know his daughter my niece her knees and ankles crack all the time and i have like this crack in my knee and there's this term called crepitus where it's just creaky bones Mm. there's that but then there's also like instability like arthritic changes degeneration that can be where that's more of like the neck stuff Mm -hmm. where it's like your joints like elbows and knees and stuff that's typically more of crepitus but when you feel like your back's cracking your bones are cracking and you need that like release it's because it needs it but also because there's instability going on with the bones I see I heard you say there's a huge role nutrition plays. Are there things that people can eat or drink or or exercise that would help any of these issues that we're talking about on top of chiropractic care that would prevent them from even coming in? Or would you say if you're eating well, exercising well, all the above, you should see a chiropractor less? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal. Is As much as I enjoy people coming in, I'd like to see them less. <laughs> because... <laughs> If they're, it's all about making the alignment last longer, keeping you in alignment. And that can come from correcting your posture, ergonomics at the workplace and strength and stability. And so we do an alignment, we reset everything and it just needs to stay. So it's like the concept of like, you put braces on your teeth, you shift everything. Mm -hmm. And then how do they stay? You put a retainer in. And so... You know, obviously you put a retainer in every night, but like mm-hmm. if you could put a retainer in once a month because your teeth don't move for a whole month, that would be ideal yeah. if you want to compare it in the chiropractic sense. Um, but I mean, you know, a lot of what people get in their bodies, inflammation, that that's what causes pain. And that can come from your diet, dairy, sugar, wheat and gluten. Other people are... Everything I eat. You know. <laughs> Some people are sensitive to like other foods as well, but I'd say like sugar is probably number one because sugar is in everything. Oh, good. I just ate a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so, if you can decrease inflammation, your body will heal faster from issues. You know, inflammation causes fatigue, tiredness. You can't strengthen your body as easily. Same thing with responding to care. It's a weakness within the body. And so if you can get rid of inflammation, you're going to be a healthier person. In addition to, you know, strengthening the body, keeping things stable so they're not 
loosen, you know, specifically mm-hmm. your core, because that's literally your core. It's the center. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a strong center, above and below is just going to fall apart as well. Like you can't, like your shoulders can't keep your ankles stable. Like right. you've got to have your center stable and then go from outwards. That makes sense. Are there things that people could do at home to alleviate any of these issues or pain? I mean, you know, like I said, proper posture, not slouching at work. (laughs) Um, Desk plates, ergonomics, like if you work on a laptop, making sure you have like a keyboard, a mouse pad, something to bring the screen up, chairs, sleeping, not in like weird, crazy curled up positions, not sleeping face down to twerk your neck all the time. I got that foam pillow because of you. Now I remember the memory foam one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Made a world of difference. Yeah. And so just realizing in your day-to-day activities what things you're doing that will throw you out of alignment. You know, someone who crosses their leg the exact same way, you know, 15 hours a day, you're probably going to throw your hips off Mm -hmm. because that's just like a twerk into your hips. And so with your purses, switching your arms, you know, like keeping in alignment, keeping things balanced is, is those things. And then like, same thing, like working out. A lot of people are like, their intake forum, like, do you exercise? And they write down walk. I walk a lot. It's great. I love it. I think it's awesome that you walk, but you need to strengthen your body. Your muscles need to be strong. Walking's just keeping you moving. But you got to exercise and it doesn't have to be like crazy CrossFit or all this kind of stuff. Like just simple, basic exercises of working on the core, doing planks, working on your hamstrings and your glutes, working on your triceps and your back muscles and 30 minutes a few times a week like, can make a world of difference between doing absolutely nothing at all. Yeah, I would say that's something I've been trying to work on because I do notice I feel better even though I hate exercising. But something I noticed too is I usually foam roll after and I will pop my back or, or my hip or something like that. So in playing like a little bit of devil's advocate, why couldn't someone just maybe get a foam roller and foam roll everything out at home? I mean, it's going to like pave through everything, but typically when someone has an issue... It's not just, you know, every vertebrae or every muscle. There's specific ones you need to target and focus on. And so, you know, finding which part is the dysfunctional part and focusing on that part. Or which muscle is more of the weakness. Maybe it's one side over another. Or, you know, if your hips are out of alignment, one side's going to be pulled higher than another just kind of like cracking side to side isn't actually going to like fix that. I mean, mm-hmm. if chiropractic, you know, if, if people could fix themselves at home, the profession wouldn't exist. Very true. That is you so know, true. we would be going on the wayside rather than coming higher. Yes. I would say I go to a lot because I always get like kinks and tightness. Um, are there any downsides to going to chiropractic here that could cause issues? Like if someone is not relaxing when you're, you know, you do that head snap or something, will it kink their neck? Like what are the downsides, if any, to chiropractic care? I mean, there's always the, there's risks that can be involved. You know, some people, like for example, there was a girl that came in just about three weeks ago and 
her sacrum was shifted backwards, essentially, you know, like in layman's terms. And one side of her hips was like significantly higher than the other. And she said, she, we talked about everything and we realized it's stemming from a way that she would like sit to make her daughter fall asleep at night. She like had one leg propped up and she was all twerked and kinked. <clears throat> and it, it all correlated together. And so I, she's been doing this for probably about a year because her daughter's like a year and a half old or something. And so when I put her back into alignment, she was in a lot of pain the next day, mm-hmm. like a lot of pain. And I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised because you've been shifted out of alignment for so long. And when I put you back to the place that you need to be, your body just completely like almost like not got injured, but changed. Right. You know, like the same concept of like, I got Invisalign a couple years ago. And when I put the first day like the trays in like I was in so much pain for like two days like I didn't want to eat anything my gums were sore because literally you moved something we moved her bones so it pulled on her muscles her joints kind of irritated because they shifted on top of each other and but within two days she was fine and so and so soreness can happen like that's a really common thing that can happen for sure um, even just like our last patient that we saw tonight, she said her ribs were really sore after the last adjustment. And I was like, but are they still sore after that? And she's like, no, actually, this is the best that they've felt. And I was like, well, that means we really, really moved them yeah. back in a place where they're supposed to be. And now they've like stayed there. And it actually is probably the best that she's felt since I've seen her in the past like four months. So it's more like a short-term temporary pain for long-term benefits. Yeah. Like that's... Those, those are like the biggest issues that can happen like after an adjustment. Yeah. I know some of my friends have been scared to go because that move that they always show in movies is the chiropractor whipping someone's head and it's cracking. And I've seen people too that can't relax because they really think you're going to like break their spine or something. What does that move actually do and, and why is it so important to spinal health? I mean, the part where people are going to like resist, I'm no, I'm, I would never fight against them about it because it's just going to hurt. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to do that. And there's like, sometimes it just takes a little bit of trust, it takes them to a little bit of like wiggle your toes, move your arms, all the tricks there are um, that I've like learned in the past few years <clears throat> to try to get someone to like relax into my hand. And sometimes... It's just about, there's this like split second where they are tensing so tight and then they relax for like half a second and I can feel when it is and that's when I'll do the adjustment. Um, But like I said, all it is, is it's the most minor movement of the spine that you can do. Like I, everybody's always like, oh, I feel like you're going to like rip my head off. I'm like, I don't even, honestly, I don't even know how to do that (laughs) because I've specifically been trained to do it this way. And I don't think there's, I don't, I don't know how you could actually injure somebody from it unless you're not paying attention and you fight against them mm-hmm. and then you're going to like strain their neck. But I think that's just so someone myth not being, paying attention to like right. how someone's, you know, if they're not relaxed, don't fight against them. That's basically the, so the gist of it. So paralyzation is not going to happen from that move. No. No. Okay. I mean, Let's there, confirm. There is, you know, the... Some people are like, oh my gosh, chiropractors can give you a stroke. 
that's, you know, definitely a fear many people have. And there is history behind that it's happened before. But the <clears throat> the story of that is, is typically when someone comes in, we do a history. We find out your family history. Do you have stroke in your family history? Do you have high blood pressure? Do people in your family have high blood pressure? Like, is there something indicated that this could you could be at high risk for this? If that's the case, then there's a test that you do that tests the sufficiency of your carotid artery, which is the artery that runs in your neck, that gives you a stroke. If there's like you know kind of bursts or tear or something, that's what gives you a stroke. And so you do this test. To prove that, you check somebody's blood pressure. Like, there was a girl that came in, she was having these crazy headaches, crazy migraines, and she just, her presentation, I was a little concerned about it. I took her blood pressure, totally fine. I did the examiner, came out normal. So it showed me that she was okay to be adjusted. And as she came back a couple days later, it turns out she was having vertigo. Mm-hmm. And so it was just something else she was having. And so you need to do a proper history and a proper exam. And then if someone does come back with high blood pressure or they have a family history of it, then you wouldn't do a high velocity adjustment. You can do more of like stretching, a grade one manipulation, which is basically just kind of motion. You go through the motions, but you don't actually like put a thrust into the, into the joint. Um, and so if it has happened in the past and there's research, you can look through all of this It's because someone already had that prior history of it. There was some sort of trauma that it was pre-existing and it happened to be the chiropractic adjustment that was like the catalyst that brought it out. It mm-hmm. would eventually, it would probably happen to someone. They would have a stroke. It just was the fact that that was what made it happen. It right. could have been they woke up four weeks later and, you know, hit their, you know, playing with a kid and the kid threw some at their head and they whipped their head back and that would made it, I don't know. Yeah. Something else could eventually like make it happen. Right. Um, and so that's why you always do a proper history and ask people questions. Like you do an intake and just check right. it. Like that's what an educated doctor should do. Awesome. I know some things that are commonly heard of are technic, especially in my field. I work in a a technology focused field. I'm with a bunch of people in an office all day and we crouch and we bend over and look at our screens. Are there other terms, um, in the industry for common problems like that? For example, people that stand all day, um, versus someone that sits at a desk, are there names associated with that? And would you say that people that stand all day need to come in more than, than people that crouch? Or is it that again, just an individualized issue? It's it's an individualized thing. I mean, yeah, technology is ruining everyone's back and increasing our career, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, sitting versus standing, it's, it's all an individual person. I mean, you can have bad things that stand because what if you have bad standing ergonomics? Like you stand with like swaying your hip back or you have hardwood floors that you stand on, you wear terrible shoes to work, all of a sudden you have plantar fasciitis and your knee hurts because your hips are out of alignment so you're standing uneven. And so there can be other things and so I only base that by individual person. Like some people I think do need to stand more, some people need to alternate between the two of them. And so that's, that's an individual person. Right. And I know, um, Emma, who we have coming up in a little bit is a massage therapist at your office. And you also recently brought on an acupuncturist. 
why did you bring them on and um, add that to your practice? Going further of, or I guess twirling around to what I originally started with the philosophy of the school that I went to is it's a holistic practice. I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all for everyone and that some people need a little bit different things. Also, your muscles and your bones are attached to each other. And so they, you know, toy with each other back and forth. So if there's a shifting of the bones, there's going to be a pulling of the muscles and vice versa. And so I found just working at different clinics and, you know, kind of working with different bodies and just the experience of it of a benefits of massage therapy because adjustments you know are necessary to make sure the bones are moving properly because you can sometimes you can massage people till the sun comes up but if your joints are just stuck in one place your muscles are just going to keep going back to the way that they were before but if you can align the spine your muscles are going to shift into the position that they're supposed to be in as well because they're either going to be spasmed and shortened or they're going to be pulled and lengthened and so if your spine is in the right place, then the muscles will set back into their alignment, quote unquote, as well. And so I, I found a lot of benefit that they both go hand in hand together. <clears throat> and with acupuncture, um, I feel like I enjoy that because it tackles the internal part of it. A lot of people suffer from stress. I can adjust your back, but if you're not going to fix your stress, then we're just going to keep doing this back yeah. and forth and back and forth. Acupuncture is really good for that as well. And once again, what I was saying before, if there's internal dysfunction going on, that'll affect your physical body too. And so working on hormones and working on your diet and all of that, you know, through acupuncture can help as well. And then I've just seen super other awesome cool things that acupuncture has changed people's lives like maybe not even correlated physically but like you can get people pregnant from acupuncture you can induce pregnant you know like if somebody's like ah, my doctor's gonna give me a c-section if i don't have my baby by this date and so you can go to acupuncture and they can induce you Wow. for that they can help balance hormones with thyroid issues it can help with digestive problems and help people quit smoking i mean like so many all of those wild things that you would think would <clears throat> never be you know with acupuncture it can just overall just balance you out mentally physically emotionally they're, they're, they're just all tied together with each other yeah i love that approach because i i was scared of acupuncturists and you can't even feel the needles, so I highly oh, recommend. They're, the, they're like the tiniest needles ever. They might yeah. hurt for like a half a second, if anything. Yeah. But it's just like a quick prick. It's not like these like blood draw needles that right. like jamming into people's veins. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. I don't think anyone would go to that. I think um, you know listeners might want to know what they can do to stay on top of their spinal health outside of going to a chiropractor. I think you might have just mentioned if you're looking at your diet and continuing exercise. Um, so are there any other tips that they might need to know? I'd say biggest thing is paying attention to your day-to-day -day life activities of the repetitive things that you do every day and making sure they're in alignment, such as posture, ways that you stand on the train, ways that you hold your bag, at the gym, not doing stupid things like lifting too much weight when you think that you can but you really can't of just 
taking care of yourself. Yep. I think something that I want to know personally are any funny stories from your years of experience. Oh gosh, I feel like there's there's always funny incidents. It is, you know, like some people have a lot of humor. It's always the first time someone comes in and they've never been adjusted before, their response. There's either going to be swearing, <laughs> laughing, screaming, a good response, maybe like crying of like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better kind of um, <clears throat> response. I don't know. And like funny things, I would. I don't know if it's like chiropractic related, but it just might be like funny jokes that are sent back and forth to people of just like the rapport and relationship that I've created with the patient where we just get along with each other and can say funny things back and forth to each other, you know, because it doesn't need like a sterile environment to come in and we're so serious, you know, like yeah. we'd have a great time to come in, you know, yeah. like enjoy the experience while we can, you know, like I like to pride myself on trying to make somebody laugh. Yeah. Especially the first time that they come in. So it's not such a, like a stuck up, like, oh my gosh, I, yeah. I don't know if I like this or not. Like warm and comfortable. Right. I know. That's why I come to you because we talk, I catch up with Emma. I feel like Emma and I gossip basically for an hour while I'm getting a massage, but then I go to you and you adjust me and we're catching up about life and it doesn't feel like I'm going to like a doctor's office that's so serious and I can't go back and, and that's why I love recommending you guys. So hopefully you guys have seen some people come from me, but I love going to you guys and I want to know, um, and my listeners probably want to know where they can find you either on social or your physical office and, you know, where can we actually find you to learn more? So, well, because I moved the office, well, opened the office, however you want to put it, <laughs> as of March 1st this past year, <clears throat> right in the master's building or RPM, whichever one you want to call it, in River North. Um, I mean, I'm pretty much there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the best way to get a hold of me is through my email. Um, otherwise, you know, call in the office, we've got ZocDoc. Um, <clears throat> social media, we do a little bit of Facebook, nothing too crazy with it. Um, I've been playing around with a little bit of, like Facebook ads and seeing what's that about. Every once in a while, I like to set out a newsletter just saying like, here's what's been going on. Here's some tips here and there. Um, <clears throat> but otherwise we're there Monday through Friday till seven o'clock. I like to take the evening or the weekends off so we yes. can balance life out because <laughs> I think it's important to have myself stressed, you know, not stressed out and feeling like I'm overworked so I can actually show up and like be present and not feeling like I'm resentful for working ridiculous hours and things. So I like to take the weekends off for that reason. Yes. Amen. For those two day weekends that we have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I'll link your practice in the show notes. Um, that's Reeves Chiropractic Office, right? Reevescairo.com. Reevescairo.com. Okay. So now we're going to bring in Emma, a clinical massage therapist who I go to as well as Dr. Reeves back to back. I usually go to Emma and get a massage and then go to Dr. Reeves for an adjustment. So we'll give Emma one second to come in. Okay, we are back with clinical massage therapist, Emma Bush. And Emma, I think people just, maybe not even people, me selfishly wants to know, what is the difference between a clinical massage therapist 
and someone on Groupon that I can go get a $40 massage with right. an hour. <laughs> Great question. So there's the main difference I think I would trace it back to their training. There's a lot of different programs that colleges will offer. Um, six week, six month programs. Um, there's also a difference between a certificate and a license. You know, a certificate okay. be, could be, you know, received in six months. Basic training of very topical work with the muscle, um, circulation, Swedish massage, um, maybe some abdominal visceral, which is kind of manipulating the, the organs within the abdomen. Um, and then there's a clinical massage therapist, um, and that training is a little bit more intense. Mine was just under two years. Um, they go from sports massage, uh, which obviously you would go on and, you know, work with athletes on, you know, a team. Um, then you have more of like a, you know, pathologies. Okay. So I have this disease and this is how it's been affecting my muscles or my, you know, circulatory system or my, my cellular system. I think that a clinical massage therapist identifies more of a science-based massage therapist. Um, there's a lot more of a, just like Joanna said, a holistic view of the body, not just, okay, I have a knot, let's get out this knot. It's more, okay, well, what is, what's causing this? Is it a postural deviation? Is it a something with my diet? Am I not getting enough water? I'm not like hydrating my body. Um, so I think that would be the di- main difference. It's more of a in-depth massage therapist. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And how did you get interested in that? I, I grew up an athlete. I had a lot of physical therapy. I had a lot of um, massage therapy at school. I was on the track team. I was a gymnast. Uh, we ha- actually had our own massage therapist on our team. Oh gosh. Um, I loved Somebody. both of them. Yeah, there was a great rotation. So I, I think I've always had like a really nice camaraderie between massage therapists. Um, I loved how curious they were. I loved asking them questions. I loved how they were always answered. I just felt like they knew a lot. Um, and as I got older, I went into a few deeper problems that I had uh, to get treated by kind of hands-on work after trying, you know, several different medications and mainstream doctors, you know, not working. Um, and it, was, it really was something that I, I wanted to be able to heal somebody with myself, you know, and with really being invested in the person as opposed to just, you know, an assembly line of people, you know, I wanted to get in there and, and figure out the problem. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people think massages are just to relax and for special occasions like birthdays or, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to treat myself once in a while, but why is going to massage therapy so important outside of just treating yourself yeah. for a special occasion? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, I think that, you know, like Joanna, sorry, I'm probably going to say like, like Joanna said already because <laughs> we are in very interlaced, um, but you know day-to-day things, you know, for a moving body, you're going to be messing with your muscles. You know, you're using that every day. Um, and people are not robots. You know, we're not perfect. We're not moving in a, you know, a straight line. People have hip, you know, offset chairs and offset postures and will be lifting heavy things. You're helping somebody move this weekend. You're helping, you're carrying your kid around in the store. Um, a lot of different things in our lives can come up and kind of deviate us from a, a straight path with the body. Um, and because everybody is moving, I think that everybody is going to come across some kind of need for, you know, muscular manipulation and help in that area. So uh, what do you, what do you, um, focus on massage therapy? I know, I think it's called trigger point therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is, that's my specialty. Uh, some trigger point therapists, there are a lot of different people who will go with their clinical license and kind of focus on something, specialize on something. And that's something that I... 
I was fascinated by. I, I didn't know anything about it. I know a lot of people call them knots. I think that's a layman terms. Um, anytime you're rolling over, you know, something in your arm or your neck, and it's got that immediate pain response. You're like, oh man, you know, I've got to work this out. And um, I think that the way that people deal with sugar points, you know, and try to get them out themselves, they're exerting themselves a lot and being able to just kind of hands off, relax and have somebody else do that. I think that's just a great way to give back, you know? Um, and so trigger points are any kind of hyper irritable spot in the muscle or the fascia. Um, and you know, basically that lymph and that lactic acid just kind of gets trapped and you just have that really strong top, you know, specific point in the muscle. Yeah. And so trigger point therapy, what you're doing is you're compressing that area. Um, and it's shortening the muscle. And not to get too in-depth with it, but basically you're tricking a contraction. The body sends a signal out, says, hey, you know, relax this, lengthen it out. And you're just kind of inducing a relaxation into the entire muscle. Um, and so, and then, you know, the actually moving through that entire muscle and moving that circulation through is another added part of trigger point therapy. So we've got kind of a two part. Well, the first one is the relaxing of that irritable spot. And the second one is moving that kind of gunk that gets trapped and you know makes it a little bit naughty, if you will. Yeah, I was going to ask. I think that term is the most common when people say, I need a massage because I have knots. So yeah. it's not actually like your muscles in a knot and it's not liquid. No. It's really just basically what inflammation. Yep. Yeah, of specific things in your body that cause that pain. Exactly, to pop up. and there's there's a few like specific locations. A lot of people have them in the traps, but they can be anywhere. They can be in the calves, the forearms. A lot of people at desks typing all day, um, and some people. It's interesting. I'll go in on points. They have no idea. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that was there. You know, and um, it's it's a surprising pain from such a little spot, um, yeah. but it goes away fairly quickly with under a minute so it's a it's a quick treatment oh yeah you always find knots on me or trigger points where i'm like i didn't even know that muscle existed wires like my forearm you did one the other day i was like oh my gosh it's because i'm typing all the time at a diagonal angle right and hunched over my desk so it's really interesting to see that that's like you said just putting some pressure on it can actually help it right but what is the difference between that and maybe going to like a deep tissue massage Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a great question. I feel like a lot of people ask that. The trigger points themselves can be activated by that pressure. It's almost like um, like if you have like a blemish or something like that, you would want to extract it. You wouldn't just want to like rub over it. You know, I know it's kind of like a, a gross one, but it's like I always think about that. You know, people will go for a deep tissue and they're getting really deep into these problem areas. And because the muscle is addressed as a whole and not as, you know, those localized pain points, and then kind of they talk about, you know, going distal, proximal, distal. So kind of a general focus, a specific focus, and then a general focus again uh, when it comes to working on an area in the body. And um, deep tissue oftentimes, and I do deep tissue work, um, Mm -hmm. but getting focused on those specific areas, you have to get out the problem or else you're just kind of, activating those hurtful areas um and that is kind of the result that i hear with people say oh you know i got this really deep tissue massage and i was sore for days and days afterwards it's because all those points the muscles those trigger points were all activated you know but nothing was really done about them so i was gonna say i used to go somewhere and it almost hurt like i was almost crying because the pain was so bad because they were putting so much pressure what is a downside of that like can something happen bad from putting too much pressure on yeah definitely i think that um it's definitely a wading in the water sort of thing you know engaging the skin 
engaging the fascia, engaging the muscle, re-engaging with the fascia, re-engaging with the skin. Um, just your body, your body is sensitive to pressure. And so it needs to know, okay, we're expecting this. Okay, now we're at this layer, you know, even the temperature after, you know, added friction that those muscles get warm and loose, you know, and a lot of that immediate deep tissue, a lot of that immediate, you know, going right down to the problem, your body isn't given a chance to adjust. Mm -hmm. And so it typically has an, you know, an inflammatory response to that. Makes sense. What, um, with the deep tissue, I know, have you heard of people having spasms? Is that a mm. thing that can happen? So there's two different things. There's a spasm, um, which is engaging the whole muscle. Okay. And then there's a muscle twitch response. And that is just a localized, quick response to the muscle. Uh, typically when I do massage and I'll do, you know, go in on a specific point, so trigger point, um, I'll have a, the occasional muscle twitch response. Very normal. And that is just the body responding out. Then there's a spasm, okay, which I've had when I do sports massage following, you know, like an athletic event, you know, and, um, and that is the entire muscle. I've never had that working in a clinic mm -hmm. um, where the entire muscle has spasm, but that's fairly easy to get rid of. You would just contract the opposing muscle. So it's a synergist muscle that works with the muscle, and then there's an agonist muscle that goes the other way. So if you have a cramp in your hamstring, I would just flip that client over and then engage the quad. And that way they have to turn off that hamstring muscle. That makes sense. Yeah. What about, I think we need to do a science pop quiz so listeners can understand okay. the different terms we're using. Fascia. What mm -hmm. is fascia? Yeah. Okay. So fascia is the connective tissue encasing. It's everywhere in the body encasing specifically um, the muscle, but it's, it's everywhere. It's kind of like the, like the chicken skin, like that slimy skin on the top of chicken, like a chicken leg mm -hmm. or whatever. That's what it is. But you know, obviously we're not chickens. Right. <laughs> And then what is, what are lymph nodes? Lymph nodes, so that is an area in the body. Now I'm like, oh, God, go back to my textbooks. <laughs> okay, so you've got the, your lymph node is a part of the lymphatic system. And that are, those are cells and fluid that are draining out toxins in the body. And I feel like people hear toxins sometimes and they hear like a magic potion. But I mean, mm -hmm. the pollutants in the air, things that we're not able to properly digest in our diet, um, anything that we're going to eventually try to get out to a gland and sweat out. Um, so lymph nodes specifically when they swell, those are full of toxins. Um, that's why a lot of times we'll have, we'll have swollen lymph nodes under the armpits or the neck. Um, they can be found at like any of the creases of the body. Um, and again, they typically will, you'll clearly sweat from there because you're sweating out those toxins that those lymph nodes gather from the lymph fluid. And so massage therapy can help with that, obviously. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have lymphatic drainage, which is more specific, um, but overall circulation happens all the time whenever you're doing a massage. Awesome. I feel like whenever I go in, all, all I do is simply lay down and you'll just touch a part of my body and be like, whoa, we have a problem here. What's going on? And I'm like, what's happening? I've literally just laid down. I don't like, I'll look at myself. I don't have a bruise. I don't have swelling. I don't have pain. Yeah. How do you know that that area is problematic? Okay. So I, I've gotten asked this question a couple of times. There is extensive training, um, palpation training that goes, uh, to each practitioner, whether that's, you know, massage therapy, physical therapy, chiropractic, um, your hands are your most important. Those are your tools. You know, those needs to be the most hypersensitive things. Um, they are, you're direct, you know, correlated with your brain and your body. You're going to, that's going to be helping your client. Um, but I think that 
each person kind of has a different sense. I feel like mine is a little bit hypersensitive. I get a little scared. I don't know how sometimes. I know, but I, I've had extensive, you know, kind of grouping and separating between, okay, this is what bone feels like. This is what fascia feels like. This is what a tendon. This is what a ligament. This is what muscle. Um, you know, this is what a collagen buildup, a bone spur feels. You know, you've really got to know that a lot of that is just practice and palpating those different spots. And, okay, this is a normal body. This is an abnormal body. Um, and kind of all of the in-betweens. So I feel like experience and then just, you know, going through school and, you know, feeling different things. I think with usually the clients that I work on, it's almost always like that ball feeling with mm-hmm. that, that grittiness is typically what I feel when I'm feeling fascia that's, you know, irritated, um, that has inflammation on it. And then that really thick top band of muscles typically where you're going to find those trigger points. Speaking of bands, I'll, I'll never forget. I always thought that the band in your quad mm. was people that were just really muscular right. and had really great quads. And what did you tell me about that? Yeah, so that is commonly mistaken. It's not the worst thing in the world, but that is um, that band adhering, that IT band adhering to the muscle um, that lies just underneath. So typically that's not the best thing. We'd want to, and they have, you know, frictioning to literally separate those. Wow, so it's yeah. literally gluing itself yeah. to a muscle and yeah. so massage therapy can help get that out mm-hmm. and yeah. then, is that painful extremely Ooh. extremely yeah imagine yep um i want to know a little bit more about um let's see like what are signs when someone comes in i guess when they come in for example i know what i need to work on because i've come to you so much now mm-hmm. and i'll be like my feet really hurt or this or that but if you're just going for the first time and you're like, I don't really have that much pain, maybe my shoulders, do you just do a full body assessment or you just know, like looking at them, like I'm really seeing a tightness in their legs that we need to work on their legs. Yeah. Side. I would love to be able to get to that point where I could look <laughs> at somebody and just diagnose. That'd be great. Um, I cannot do that yet. A lot of questions, a lot of questions work. Do you have kids? Are you know, are you, are you in a sport? I'm looking at their age. How old are they? Um, their build. Okay, they're really tall. We can work with knee and just different kind of categories that I try to put people in, and then you know get their feedback on their lifestyle. And a lot of people, you've got the people who are really avid about it, who you know are tra- chasing down their problems and 50-50 on Google research. You know, <laughs> it's kind of either a, a curse or a blessing with that. Right. Um, but, you know, then you've got people who don't know. They don't know. And that's that's my job. That's where I kind of step in. And I can, you know, I have to do all of that kind of diagnosing and, and figuring out with my hands. You know, and I'm figuring out, okay, what are we feeling here? And typically if I'm on a, if I'm on a tight hamstring, oh, yeah, well, that's because I da 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 I climbed a bunch of ladders because I was cleaning out the gut. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Where we can kind of figure out um, issues and their origins as we go. How often should someone be seeing you... If they have major issues, if they're like the IT band thing, right. using, like should they be coming once a week, once every other week? How long would it take to get something like that worked out? Okay. Typically like an IT band thing would be two sessions, very serious, you know what I mean? To get that, it's called flicking. Um, and that's, you know, you're using a tool, ice is involved. That's, that's, a, that's a process. Um, and I don't really come across that session where I'm able to completely focus on that. Also, the compliance of the person is very low. Because yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's a painful process. You know, we have, we cause pain and trauma to our body, you know, and so that healing is going to be, you know, sometimes equivalent to the pain that was caused. Um, but I think that um, once a week, I'll typically see people once or twice a week. Um, 
and you know with people's insurances you know that people work out that's kind of you know up to you know the luck of the draw of you know what they are what they have as far as coverage goes um but just healing in general once a week you know consistently and then spacing it out from there and a lot of times i mean people who are coming and they're practicing okay you know i'm not going to i'm going to drink a ton of water after this or i'm going to be stretching or foam rolling or you know doing healthy additives to that makes the process a lot quicker you told me today i actually went to you tonight i had some problems with my legs mm-hmm. um what was the other part we were talking maybe my feet yeah um yeah. and then you said something that would be really bad would be doing yoga or really any type of exercise after it. Mm-hmm. And I was under the con- misconception that maybe yoga would help because I'm adding more stretching and right. flexibility. And why would you advise against that? Yeah, so I think that, again, I hope nobody mishears, I, I think yoga and exercise is a great thing throughout yes. the week. That's definitely um, something that I would advocate for. But immediately following that because of that, and it does depend on the kind of treatment that you're getting. My treatments are pretty intense, pretty localized. Um, and that lymph is just floating through the body. And so those toxins are running through your muscles. Your body needs time to, you know, rehydrate, um, you know, urinate that out, sweat that out. You know, a a sauna would be a great thing to follow it, you know, um, ice in certain spots of inflammation, but engaging in, you know, weightlifting or anything that's going to, you know, strain on the muscle or, you know, a really long, intense, you know, yoga session isn't going to be a great thing to follow up an intense massage session. And so basically you're almost undoing the work that you just did. Right. And you're kind of, you're using that body. that's already been depleted of a lot of its resources and then trying to, you know, conjure up those resources again and they're not there. And so that can, you know, lead to a lot of soreness. Right. And a lot of soreness, you use the craziest tools I've ever seen. (laughs) They look like medieval torture tools. They have sharp ends and one looks like a ninja blade like I'm terrified sometimes to go in I'm like what is she going to use on me what do those tools do and and you know how does that help you outside of you know just using your hands yeah uh I love my hands great properly trained but there are certain depths to muscles Um, a lot of people have really well-developed muscles that I work on um, and there are certain angles that I like to get in, you know, if we're working around the knee, if we're working around, you know, the shoulder, um, that those tools really aid in being able to get to those tricky to reach spots or like a Swiffer duster, you know, use certain ones, the dirt devil kind of thing, um, getting in those cracks. But I think that if I'm talking about, you know, fascia tool, we are, because the fascia kind of runs in a web-like form a lot of times my hand is a little bit too flat and a little bit too soft to really engage that the way I want to it is to be able to smooth that out um and if I'm using my hand I will see an immediate you know redness which is that circulation um kind of release when I'm using a tool and if I use my hand I'm able to get you know deep pressure and consistent pressure um, but those tools kind of quicken my you know progress with somebody kind of saves a lot of time so just because of that hard you know, edges that I have a lot of my tools, a lot of them have prongs where I can kind of pick up jagged edges in the muscle or, you know, mm-hmm. things that are all kind of webbed together and separate things a lot easier. Yeah, that's the scariest one is the, I can't remember what it's called, the one <laughs> on my foot. Fashion blaster. Yeah, where I, I think I was like screaming in one session because <laughs> my feet are so tender because yeah. I think I have something that Dr. Reeves 
um, referenced plantar fasciitis. Am I even mm-hmm. saying that right? Fasciitis, yeah. So what is that? Because I feel like a lot of people have that and mm-hmm. don't know and what causes it. Yeah, so plantar fasciitis is literally just what it sounds like. So the plantar surface of your foot, the bottom of your foot, that fascia has itis, which is inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can get, that's caused from just wear and tear. Um, and it can be really serious where people wake up, you know, can't walk, um, and it's not, it's not easy to fix. It's something that, you know, people will struggle with for a long time. Um, and, you know, obviously we're continuing to walk. There's not a lot of adipose tissue on the bottom of our foot. Everything's very exposed um, to the ground. Uh, a lot of ligaments and tendons down there and nerve lines. But the main thing with that is that fascia and all those irritants within that. So that tool that we use smooths that out, um, gets a lot of that circulation going in there that because somebody who has plantar fasciitis wouldn't normally have. And what are some things I need to do and others can do yeah. to alleviate the pain? Right. So anytime you hear inflammation, you would think like red, hot, um, ice, rolling out on ice. You're going to be doing smoothing exercises, a good supportive shoe, you know, with the natural curvature of your foot, um, you know, nothing that would have to agitate your foot. So you've got flats. That arch is going to have to come down and meet that every single time. If you've got heels, now we're over, you know, we're hyperextending that. Um, we're taking the foot, you know, even stretching it farther, irritating it. Um, so I would say supportive shoes, getting, you know, some kind of manual work done on it and um, asking, you know, practitioner about, hey, can you check my calves? Is something pulling? You've got to think all the calf muscles are attaching you know, at the bottom of the foot. So mm-hmm. do I have a muscle in the calf that's pulling up, you know, and causing that irritation? I think one time you told me about like a DIY thing I could do at home, maybe with a frozen water mm-hmm. bottle. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a pretty common one. Just you know, freezing like an ice mountain water bottle or whatever your favorite brand is, mm-hmm. and just rolling that you know on the bottom of your foot, taking it out after it's frozen, um, and that's kind of a what is the phrase? Two for one, yeah. <laughs> like killing two birds with one stone. Um, and you're smoothing that out and that pressure that you would have, and that's a lot of stuff that I would do with my hands naturally. And you're also having the cold ice and kind of getting a lot of that inflammation to settle down. I need to do that at home. Um, One thing that I have issues with too is the spider veins. And you told me something tonight that might be helpful because you use the fascia blaster on my legs. Mm. Um, what was it? Dry brushing? Could you dry brushing? Yeah, any kind of like circulation. Spider veins is, is difficult, um, just because a lot of it has to do with that stress of, of standing, and obviously we're always moving. And um, and I don't I don't know a ton about the vascular system as much. Um, so I'm just going to be honest with that one. And I don't really get asked that a lot, but I do know that a lot of those circulation techniques and just kind of going against a lot of that pressure that gets built up within the veins in the body is, is going to be helpful. Obviously that's going to, they're not going to disappear, but right. you know, going to help going any farther. Yeah. And I think another like devil's advocate question that I asked Dr. Reeves is why can't someone maybe just like foam roll mm-hmm. it out or go get a hot stone massage for yeah. 90 minutes? Um, because to me, a hot stone puts that heat on there, like you are saying, and opens up the muscles and foam rolling. If you can foam roll over it for 30 minutes, why do you recommend also going to massage therapist? Right. I think, it's, I think it's what you want. You know, am I looking to progress in life? Am I looking to stay the same and just kind of keep what I have going, you know, not getting any worse? Um, I think things like hot stone massage or, or Swedish massage, which is just, you know, very topical circulatory massage, um... It's going to feel really good. You know, it's going to feel really good. Again, a lot of those trigger points can be activated um, and kind of leave you hanging, you know. Um, and I think that 
a hot stone massage or you know foam rolling it a lot of these things are very topical in general um, and people have very intricate complex bodies intricate and complex problems uh, where somebody who is trained um, you know experienced in that area and you know knows your body better than you you could ever probably know it um, kind of taking over and being able to sort that out also just kind of like a hands-off okay so this is you know I have this pain I'm gonna have somebody else deal with it you know and really get specific with you I think it's a little bit kind of separates itself from a hot stone or a foam roll right and something that I want to know is what you do is so physical you're like picking up legs and like some one time you like pulled my leg out of my hip and all of it I'm like <laughs> how much strength do you need to have to be a massage therapist uh I think quite a bit so I'm five <laughs> one so I'm not very tall I'm not like you know this big woman um I also started doing this when I was young. I think it just takes, you know, proper knowledge of, of body mechanics. I know how to position myself, you know, with, you know, in accordance to the body that I'm working on. Um, I think that I, I do strength training, you know, try to do it, you know, as much as I can. I'm not going to reveal my numbers, but um, I try to, you know, do strength training. I think it's definitely important to be stronger than whatever I'm going to be lifting. Um, and, and, you know, I think that... I know a lot of very, very, very tiny people who can just exert a lot of pressure. And I think that, you know, certain people have skills that they've had, you know, for a long time. Um, and that's kind of how they choose their career path. I feel like I've kind of always known that, that I've always been, you know, fairly strong, fairly athletic. So that's kind of allows me to be more hands-on and involved with people's treatments. Yeah. I'm, I'm also curious when you start dating someone, how often do they ask you for massage <laughs> and do you just say absolutely not? Thankfully never. It is <laughs> the family though. The family is the one that I, I get all the time. Any kind of, they'll be like, Oh, you know, try to attention to like a birthday, mm. Thanksgiving, Christmas, any holiday, even like oh, from gosh. other countries, the pull them in just to see if I yeah. can, you know, get a certificate in there. But you have to like bring your little chair to the I will, typically, I, will, I will typically say no. I used to say yes all the time, especially when I was going through school and I needed bodies to practice on, but I can't I can't resent them for wanting to always <laughs> take advantage of my skill. <laughs> Are there any funny stories that you've had? I know, like we said, I I just recall that one time we were working on my feet and I'm so jumpy because they're so tender yeah. where I was like audibly loud and I was like, I hope Dr. Reeves isn't like calling the police <laughs> thinking she's beating me up, but you said some funny stories, like people maybe similar to Dr. Reeves are cursing or yeah. or what's happened that's been so hilarious to you. Oh man. I think that, I think the biggest one is probably just these really large men that will come in and sometimes I even like secretly doubt myself, like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. And you know, of course we do, you know, we find the spots and, and you know, people break down when they find spots and even like emotionally, you know, people will find spots. I've, I've had a lot of these really big men come in and, you know, you can kind of see in their eyes, like, what is she about to do? And, and, you know, they'll be very, very loud. And I feel like that always makes me, and it makes both of us laugh. And it's yeah. kind of an icebreaker in and of itself. So it's good. I don't have any funny stories. I think that I love, you know, working at this office. Cause again, it's this very fun environment. It's, you know, we know everybody. It's not, you know, this like she says, she uses the word sterile, mm -hmm. you know, at arm's distance, you know, I'm going to come in with my, you know, professional attitude and I'll, you know, shake your hand, but it's a very close, it's a close-knit office. Um, and so I think that a lot of just funny stories are swapped on a, on a daily basis between, you know, us and the clients. And, um, but yeah, I think the biggest 
laugh that we've gotten is probably from these large guys coming in, you know, shouting out of pain. Yeah, it's it can be really painful, but I can't imagine, like you said, because you're five one, this right. itty thing handling a guy probably twice your size, right? <laughs> yeah, screaming like a girl. Yeah, that has to be hilarious. But then thanking me after. Oh yeah, they always they're happy with it. A hundred percent. Are there any additional tips or advice or insight that you would give to listeners um, to help with like these trigger points or knots or anything? I think the biggest thing I would think is if you do go see somebody who is practicing trigger point therapy, drink water. That is mm. one of the biggest things I think people will skip, you know, or, oh, you know, I'm going to go to the bar later, you know, and get, you know, get a drink after my massage. Um, I think that that aspect of, you know, rehydrating and kind of just at least taking the evening, you know, if you've gotten in the afternoon, or, you know, taking the afternoon to just kind of restore and refresh is so, so important um, for, you know, a speedy recovery. Um, what else? I think the power of stretching, uh, especially now we have things like YouTube, looking mm-hmm. up a YouTube video on how to properly stretch a muscle, you know, is, is so important. You know, if you can't, you can't stretch out a trigger point, you know, but you can kind of relax that muscle around it and being able to do that in between times seeing, you know, professional is super helpful for those treatments, you know, to be able to progress. Yeah, and I love coming to you guys. Like I said, I go, what, once a month? I wish I could afford to go once a week. I, once I get a raise, <laughs> I'm talking to you, workplace, I need a raise, and then I can come <laughs> once a week. Um, but where can listeners find you? Emma? I know you're, you work directly with Dr. Reeves. Are yeah. you the same hours and yeah, everything? Yeah, same hours. Awesome. Yeah, like she said, we have Facebook, we have a website, we have a very nice website. It was just redone. Um, right on 500 North Dearborn, we're there, you know, every day about the weekend. Um and and we've and again we've done you know networking things at WeWork and stuff so our, I feel like our name is is getting out there. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being on the podcast. You guys are some of my first guests, and I think my listeners will find this really educational. And like I said, I'll link Emma and Dr. Rees in the show notes, um, link the website, and go give them a visit so you guys can keep yourself aligned and healthy. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Yeah.